there's this thing called Murphy's Law. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, um, but it's not so much a law as it is like a saying that was later just kind of coined, the term was coined like Murphy's Law. Um, the whole history is like this guy was doing, named Murphy was doing this science experiment that went like real wrong and so he you know, was coming up with all these reasons as to why it went wrong and then his coworkers were basically just picking on him and called it Murphy's Law. Um, but what it says is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Um, and I don't know if any of you guys have had this, but I've had a lot of times in my life when I felt that this was very true. Um, most recently, I can think of one time <laughs> that every, I felt that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. That was yesterday. Uh, so, in order to fully understand why everything went wrong yesterday, we have to back up about a month and a half from when I was asked to preach this morning. So, you know, I was asked to preach, and I said, I would love to, totally, 100%. So, at that moment, though, I was still in Rochester, New York, which was fine. Um, I had gone back in June when classes kind of ended, and I had intended to come back in the fall when they started back up again. But I just, it wasn't really the timing wasn't great. You know, COVID was still kind of a, a thing and I was still online and it really, you know, all my classes were still online. It didn't really make sense for me to take an eight hour trip from my house to come back here to just then also stay in my house. Like that doesn't, <laughs> that didn't seem to make a lot of sense. So, but I had plans on coming back because I had to come back eventually. Uh, you know, what better time than now if I have to preach? So I was able to get my vaccinations and I was able to get on a plane and Monday, this past Monday, I landed here, back here in Seattle. Um, I don't know how many of you have flown before or are, or are frequent or semi-frequent flyers, but I have vowed in the past not to fly on days when I have classes because the last time I did that, I landed at like 3 in the afternoon and went to class at 6 o'clock in the afternoon when I had been up since like 3 a.m. New York time, so that's like midnight Seattle time, and it was bad. So I vowed never to do that again. Of course, Monday, I did. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I missed class, and I landed in time, so it was like 10 o'clock at night, so I just went to bed when I got here. Um, but because of the little bit lingering jet lag, not too bad on Tuesday, but the lingering jet lag and the fact that I couldn't really get a lot done on the plane. There's only so much I could do, and I was not going to pay $30 for Wi-Fi on the plane. That was ridiculous. Um, I felt like I was perpetually a day behind, like all week, I'm always at least a day behind, I feel like. I've never been ahead on anything in my life. But this was, it really, like, I felt there were these deadlines approaching, and I was just a day behind. So it gets to Thursday, which is ordinarily the time, like, last time when I had written the sermon. I started it, like, two or three weeks ago. And, like, two or three weeks prior. And this time when I was, you know, writing this sermon, I had, it was Thursday, and I hadn't even started it. Whereas, like, my last one was finished by Thursday. So I was, like, feeling the pressure a little bit. Um, so I sit down to write, and I'm just like, I don't really, you know, I had a basic idea of, obviously, because I had, you know, had my scripture passage, had my title, had my general theme, but I just didn't really know what I wanted to say. So I did my work, went to class, and I got out of class and decided to take a break, and then I would have some dinner, and then I would write my sermon. So I get out of class, and I go to take, you know, a short five, ten-minute break. And I'm scrolling through TikTok, which I only downloaded because I wanted to watch the Buffalo Bills TikTok because 
I don't know how many of you guys are football fans, but I'm a hardcore football fan, and the Bills are my favorite team, unfortunately. They can't win Super Bowls, but if there was a prize for, like, best TikTok videos, they would win, 100%, hands down. They're hilarious. Everything you didn't know you needed from a football team's social media accounts. So I downloaded it because of that, but now I'm, now I'm hooked, of course, because they know how to market their apps. <laughs> um, so I'm scrolling, scrolling through, and I'm like, you know, it's, you know, my phone gives me the, hey, 20%, you should plug me in notification. So I you know, reach down to grab my cord, and I look at the clock. It's been two and a half hours. It's like 9 o'clock at this point, and I haven't written my sermon, haven't eaten since noon. So I go and get some, grab some food, and I sit down to write it again and turn on some music. It's Taylor Swift. I get way too distracted and jam out way too much to that music, so I turn that off, try something else. It gets to be about 11 o'clock at night, and I still just haven't written anything. I said, all right, you know what? I will write down my basic theme, my basic notes that are in my head, and I'll wake up tomorrow fresh, and I'll try again. So Monday or Friday morning comes, and I write about mm, 25% in the morning, maybe. I take a break, go to class, do my homework, um, get done, take another you know, social media break. This one was not two and a half hours. Sit down to finish writing, and I get about 70% total written. So I, I write about 50% more. And I'm like, you know what? It's late. I'm kind of tired. I think I'm just going to, like, my brain is fried. I'm going to, you know, take a mental health break for, you know, until bed, and I'll go to sleep, and I'll sit all day Saturday and write my paper, or write my sermon, no problem. It's really just the, at that, at that point, it was just like tying it all together, you know, making it sound like a cohesive whole. So Saturday comes, and it's about three o'clock when I finally get fully in gear, fully motivated to finish. And I sit down, my glasses are dirty. No big deal, I, they get dirty all the time, so I get ready to clean them off. I take them off my face, and I start wiping them down, and I hear a popping noise, and I hear something bounce, and I said, Oh, no. And I looked down, and my nose pad had fallen off my glasses. If you have glasses and this has ever happened to you, you know that it's like, it's, you, it's live, like you can live with it, but it's slightly annoying. Um, like for me, my glasses were already loose, so it was stabbing my nose while also sliding down my nose. <laughs> so like I didn't, and like I couldn't find the screw, because again, if you have glasses, you know there's like these little tiny screws. And if, on the off chance you do find them, you don't have a screwdriver small enough to screw it in, so you gotta go get one. And then if you're anything like me, you can't see without your glasses to fix your glasses. But of course, like, this is not the first time this has happened, and, or something like this has happened, and I'm not stupid enough to not have a backup pair of glasses because I can barely see with my glasses, so trying to see without them is an adventure. So I, you know, find, put on my glasses so I can find my backup glasses. I find my backup glasses. They're, of course, not the exact same prescription. So, because they're, they're, you know, three or four years old at this point. So I'm like, what do, I, what do I do? They're actually too strong, which in some cases is okay. But in this case, they were strong enough that it would take me a few days to my eyes to adjust. And I was like, well, I have to preach tomorrow. And like, I could see, I could do it. But, you know, I might get these headaches and I'd probably be like staring at the screen like this. So I'm like, all right, I gotta go get these fixed. So I don't know, I have never gone to an eyeglass place in Seattle because I have been seeing like an eye doctor, a specialist eye doctor since like I was born practically and I didn't switch when I got here because 
I only needed to see him once a year, and I was back home in Rochester at least once a year to go see him, so I didn't find one when I was here. But I hop on Google Maps, and I'm like, places that will fix my eyeglasses near me. And there's one in the universe, in U Village, which is you know, down by UW. It's open. Great, wonderful. Um, there's you know, three or four more that might be a little bit closer, but I also happen to have to need to go to the Microsoft and Apple Store, which are also right there. I was like, perfect. I was planning on going to the Apple Store next week when I had more time, but this is great. I have to go there anyway. So I hop on the bus. I get there. I don't know what it was about yesterday, but at this point it's like, I don't know, four in the afternoon, and I get to this eyeglass place, and there's like 10 people inside, and there's three or four in line. And it's not like a doctor's office. It's like just a place where you go and buy eyeglasses and on occasion get them fixed. Like, I don't know why so many people were buying eyeglasses on a random Saturday. It was just very strange. Whatever, I had called ahead, and they were like, yeah, we can fix those. So I get to the door, and I'm the sales guy's like, what can I help you buy today? And I'm like, well, I don't actually want to buy anything, except for maybe your services. Um, I need to get my eyeglasses fixed. Just the, you know, the nose pad popped off. And he's like, okay, cool. Did you get them here by chance? And I said, no, I didn't get them here. I got them, you know, my eye doctor back in New York. And he's like, oh, well, are, did you get them at one of our stores? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, we can't fix them. And I, you know, thought to myself, it kind of makes sense, but also, like, really? I feel like, I don't know a lot about eyeglasses, but I've had them long enough to know that like the nose pads grew was fairly standard, like, <laughs> but okay. Um, he said, but there's a place like right, right down the path here that, that'll do it for you. So I walked to that place that he pointed out and you know, I get to the door and it says by appointment only. Of course, I don't have an appointment because I was not expecting for this to happen today and I didn't call ahead because I thought that the other place could fix them. And this place didn't, hadn't even come up on my, like, search on my radar. And so I get to the door, and the guy comes out, and he's, you know, says, do you have an appointment? And I said, no, I just popped the nose pad off my eyeglasses. And, like, it's important to remember, too, that at this point, like, with my backups, I can barely see 10 feet in front of me, and anything 5 feet or further or that has any detail is very blurry. So I'm standing, like, right in front of the door to read this sign. And the guy comes out, and we're, like, face to face. And I go, no, but can you, and I'm, like, squinting at him, like, can you fix the nose pad on my glasses? And he's like, well, you know, you're supposed to have an appointment and there's someone in, coming in behind you who has an appointment, but, you know, I'll get them in and then we'll come and help you. So that was really nice of him. So, he, you know, he goes and helps them. His coworker comes out and fixes my glasses for me. Super, super helpful, super nice. Um, I also, though, needed to go to the Microsoft and the Apple store. My, I've been meaning to go to the Microsoft store for like a year, a year and a half. Um, but I didn't have time really and then it shut down because of the coronavirus. And then when I went back to New York, there are none. The closest one is like two hours. And like, I'm not driving two hours for them to look at my laptop and then basically tell me that there's nothing they can do because there's probably nothing they can do. But like, they should know because this is something that, you know, I'm not the only one who had this issue. This is a known issue that, that Microsoft knows about. And I was like, all right, well, so that, that was a bust. So I get to the Apple store though because I have this device that I've been using for like classes and things like that, and I like take notes, and it, will, it would flicker, and then it would just restart randomly. It wasn't like unusable, but it would do it frequently enough that it was kind of annoying, and it would do it at the most inconvenient times. I had my notes on it. We were reading and translating like live in person in class for my Hebrew, my Hebrew class, and 
it shut down. As soon as the professor called my name, it's like, oh, that's time to shut down. And I said, I, can't, I don't have it in front of me now. What am I supposed to, I can't read it if it's not in front of me and I certainly don't know what it says. So I said, you know what? And I was gonna use it for my notes this morning. <laughs> so I get to the Apple store and they're like, well, do you have an appointment? I'm like, of course I don't have an appointment. I plan to do none of this today. So I said, no, I don't have an appointment. And they're like, well, let's see what we can do. So they say, come back in about half an hour, we can get you in. At this point, it's 5.30. I haven't eaten since 10.30, so I go and find some food. Couldn't really find I got lost at least twice. Um, so I'm running a little late, got a little distracted. So at this point, it's like 5.45. My appointment was at 5.30. And I run back to the Apple store, and I'm like, I had an appointment like 15 minutes ago, and I like got distracted and forgot and got lost. Can you still fit me in? And they're like, yeah, 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 we'll get you in line. So they pop me back in the queue, and I wait probably five minutes for an associate to come by. He comes by, I tell him what the problem is, and he says, oh yeah, no, we can't fix that. We don't, we don't fix those, we just, you just have to get a new one. Like, we'll exchange it if you want, but you, you, just, you still have to pay for a new one. Like, we'll take, take your old one and give you credit. And I was like, mm, I got it from Amazon, so I'll just return it to Amazon, but I also do still want a new one. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you can buy a new one, but of course I have to replace all the accessories too, because heaven forbid Apple makes accessories that work with, you know, everything. They change it every five minutes. Every time they come out with something new, all the accessories change. So he's like, yeah, I can, we can, you can get a new one, but I can't help you with that. You have to go to a sales associate. I'm like, really? So he takes me over to the sales associate. I sit in line for 10 minutes there waiting for the next available sales associate. I'm able to check out in like two minutes or less. It really didn't take that long at all because I knew exactly what I wanted. The lady ran and got it and checked me out and it was good to go. So here I am, $800 in debt from Apple. And finally, I'm done with my errands, and I start to head home, and I get home about eight o'clock, and I said, all right, now I gotta write this, I gotta finish this sermon, like, I don't know. And it took me a little bit while, a little bit longer to get, figure out what I was gonna say. So I finally figured out what I was gonna say, I start writing it. I did finally finish. I will not tell you what time I finished, um, but you can, you know, make some guesses if you want. I will say that I had a pastor friend tell me a story once that he finished writing his sermon as he was preaching it, and I promise you that is not what's happening. I promise you it was written before I started preaching it. So, anyway, I finished writing my sermon, I go to bed. Um, but I, this whole process, I kind of felt a little frustrated. I was frustrated like at myself a little bit for not like forcing myself to try to at least write more earlier. Um, I was also just frustrated like at everything because like everything that could go wrong, I felt like it did go wrong. And when I was reading this passage, I feel like in a lot of ways, Peter and John kind of have the same frustration. Um, if you remember, like Peter and John, they were Jesus's disciples, right? So they, they were walking with Jesus they were talking to Jesus. They were experiencing these miracles firsthand. And then, like, Jesus died, and they weren't really 100% sure what was going on. And then he, like, comes, you know, he raises from the dead, which is, and they're like, wow, that's super good. That's super cool. And then he ascends into heaven, and they're like, oh, all right, so where'd you go? Like, you, what's happening now? Um, and then they kind of, like, they get on board. But then so they're frustrated because they aren't sure what's happening, and then they figure out what's happening, but then, like, all the other Jews don't believe them, right? And they're, like, trying to actively persecute 
the disciples. And so, you know, I think there's this feeling of frustration, like, it doesn't have to be this hard, guys. Like, it's right in front of your faces. Like, how much more obvious can we make it? Um, but nonetheless, I think that, you know, they're a little frustrated because it feels like everything went wrong, you know? Um, again, Jesus dying didn't really seem like that was supposed to happen. And then, you know, it wasn't really supposed to be that hard to get other people to believe, and it seems to be. Um, but regardless of that, I think when I read this passage, I do get that underlying feeling of I can feel their frustration. But I also read it and I hear in Peter's words the sense of hope that he has. Um, and I think that this passage can teach us three specific things, important things. I think the first is that God is actively present with us. God will always accomplish God's plans. And God breaks in and redefines our reality. Um, so if you remember, or if you don't know, Acts is kind of a continuation of the gospel stories. Um, it's like the sequel to Luke. It kind of, you know, tells the story of the early church. And I'd always read it that way. I'd always read, you know, this is the story of the early church. This is a really good, like, example of what the church is supposed to look like and how the church is supposed to function in the world and things like that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with reading it that way. That's exactly, you know, the point of, like, how it's supposed to read, be read. There's, that, that is the point of Acts. But I also forget a lot that there's more to the book of Acts than just this is the story of the early church. It's important to remember, too, that Acts is still very much the story of Jesus, right? Like, Jesus, it's still Jesus' story. It's not just people telling Jesus a story. It's not a, like it's not a story about people telling Jesus a story. It's still a story about Jesus. Jesus is still acting in the lives of these people. I think of um, this TV show from the 90s that I actually did not watch growing up because I was two when it stopped airing, but I watched it recently, like a year or so ago when it dropped on Disney+. Plus. And there's this teacher who's like super influential in these kids' lives. Like, He's not the main character, but he, like, is very much, he drives the plot, right? Like, he's very important. Like, there wouldn't be a story without him. You know, there's at least one character who would probably not be in school and may even not be alive if it weren't for said teacher. And then one time, one day, he gets in a motorcycle accident, and he's, he survives. He's alive. But the last we see of him is just, like, in the hospital and the students talking to him. And then we never see him again. We never see, see him. We never hear from him. We never really hear about him until one day when they're all graduating. And this one student who also appeared in like every early episode, never to be seen from again, like waves to him from across the hall and says like, hey, how you doing? And, but like we still don't see him. And then, you know, the story goes on another three or four seasons and still no word. But then in the reboot, he comes back. And we learn a little bit about what's been going on, but not really. We're still, like, very confused as to what was going on in, like, those six years when he was supposedly still at the school, but nobody saw him. Um, but, like, that's not what's happening here. Like, Jesus didn't just, like, come back to life, like, go to heaven, and he's just waiting for the reboot to come down and be like, hey, here's what I've been up to for the last thousands of years, right? Like, we're still actors in this story, and Jesus is still, like, the influential, very important main character. And it's still very much God's story, right? So it's not just, like, we hear from God and we see God still in the story. Um, so I think, 
that um, if we read this story through that lens and we read it, you know, we can see how Acts continues the story of Jesus through the early followers and we can use these stories to see how God continues to work and change our lives today. Um, which leads us to the fact that God is always actively present with us. Directly before this passage that we read this morning, Peter and John healed a a man who was lame from birth. In fact, that was the he referred to in the first verse where they were like, he clung to Peter and John. Um, And, you know, Peter reaches down his hand and pulls him up, and this lame man immediately, like, walks into the temple. He's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. And the people in the temple, which, important to remember, they're Jews, see this man, and they're like, oh, I know you. And they're, like, astonished, right? Like, whoa, you can walk. Um, And Peter addresses this astonishment, and he says, "Why why are you astonished? Like, first of all, you shouldn't be astonished. Like, this is exactly what Jesus is. This is exactly what Jesus is about. This is exactly what he was doing when he was here, and he's still doing it. And two, why are you trying to give us credit for this? Because that was kind of what was going on. It's like, they were astonished, but they still didn't believe, right? Like, astonishment in Acts, like, Luke uses that word very specifically because it, it, it doesn't mean belief. It means, you know, wonder. And so they're not, you know, they haven't quite gotten to the belief phase yet. Um, and they're like, why, why, why are you trying to give me, you know, credit for this? It's still not me. Like, it's God's power. It's the power of Christ. Like, I am just a mediator, basically. Um, yes, you killed Jesus, but Jesus' power, Jesus is still here. His power is still active in our lives. Um, he's still alive. Just because you can't physically see him or touch him doesn't mean that he's not here. And so Peter tries to, like, remind them of that. Like, yes, this is Jesus. Like, it always has been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. The only way this can happen is, like, faith in Jesus. And it's not about what Peter and John did. It's about what Jesus has done. Um, And so he's still present in and among his people. And God is still working to accomplish God's plan, even after this. Um, So, which brings us to the second point. God will always accomplish God's plan. So, Peter gives credit to to God and, you know, to God's power. Um, But then he also immediately starts to, like, blame the people that are standing there. Um, He's like, you know, you killed Jesus, right? Like, and, and he makes it very clear that, like, this is the Messiah. He uses all of these, like, references that, that these people who are Jewish would recognize from the Old Testament. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors. Like, he says all of these things. Author of life, um, servant, righteous one. That, like, they would recognize from Scripture, from the Old Testament, that we're talking about the Messiah that was to come. So he's very clear that, like, this is the Messiah that you guys have been waiting for, and you killed him. But then he says, but you acted in ignorance. So he places blame, but he doesn't fully blame them. Like, they're not off, you know, 100% free, but they're not 100% at fault either. Because God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets that the Messiah would suffer. 
so this wasn't plan B. Like, Christ was going to suffer and die. That was always the plan. Um, you know, it wasn't just like the Jewish leaders were standing at, you know, in front of Pilate, and Pilate asked for if they wanted Barabbas or they wanted Jesus, and they all said Barabbas, so now God says, oh, well, my hands are tied. I guess I have to kill Jesus. Like, Jesus was going to die. That was, that was always going to be the plan. Um, but unfortunately, he had to, you know, die at the hands of the Jewish leaders. And so Peter reminds them that, you know, you killed him. But they killed him in the way that we all kill him. It's not that these people were the ones who were physically standing there demanding for his death. Um, but in the way that we as humans have this broken relationship with God that needs to be mended somehow because God really wants that relationship. But there's this disconnect because we're human and we're not perfect. Um, and so he sends Jesus to die because as someone who is fully, both fully God and fully human, God you know, Jesus can fix that relationship between us and between God. Um, so just in our brokenness, in their brokenness, and then in their ignorance, that's, you know, how they, these people who weren't necessarily demanding for the death of Jesus, but they, they killed the Messiah. Um, but God broke into that ignorance and to the guilt of the people, and still he still accomplished his plans, um, and he brought about a new reality. So that brings us to the third point, which is God breaks in and redefines our reality. Um, in most TV shows, as in life, death is final. You know, someone dies and they're no longer with us physically. Um, you can still see their influence. You can still, they're still talked about. You know, you still can watch videos or t see pictures or, you know, you, you don't forget them, but they're not there. And you don't expect, you know, you don't expect to come or turn the corner and have them physically be standing in front of you. But that's not what happened. So, like, that's not what happened here. So the reality is, like, we expect our reality to be that death is final. But God says, no, it's not final. And he raises Christ from the dead, which completely flips what we think of reality or think needs to be reality. Um, and so... I read a book in undergrad when I took a class on the book of Acts and it was called like intrusive God, disruptive gospel. And it was talking about how, you know, the gospel is intrusive. And the author said the gospel is in a word disruptive. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, it's not meant to be like a chaotic disruption really. It's just like you expect something and then, like, Christ comes in, and the gospel message, like, completely flips that. Um, you know, the, the weak are blessed, the poor are blessed, you know, um, things like that, that, you know, in our world today, in this reality we live in, doesn't really seem like it goes with the reality that we perceive. And so I think that the gospel challenging what we think things are and what they have to be, like, that's a really powerful statement. Um, there's kind of a lot going on in our world right now <laughs> that kind of makes it feel like this reality like, is, doesn't seem like it should be real. Like there's this continuous ongoing pandemic. 
there's all these, like, there's still race riots and all these things that are just, like, you know, unnecessary deaths and all of these things that I, I feel like, at least for me as a Christian, like, this can't be real. This can't be, like, what the kingdom of God is, right? Like, I know it isn't. Um, but that, that's what Peter's saying here is he's saying, like, God can and he does break that reality and he's actually inviting us to participate in that disruption. Um, Peter says, repent therefore and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. And then he said that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So Peter in that statement, he's inviting us to participate with God in God's restoration. Like it's, it's not a quiet thing. You know, it's not something that oh yeah, Christ died, that's cool. And then we like keep it to ourselves, right? Like it's something that we're meant to be active participants in and we're meant to go and share with others, not shoving it in their face because that's not super helpful in any way. But, you know, just being these active members of Christ's kingdom. Um, and so, you know, Peter, I think what he's saying too in the statement is, it sometimes does feel like everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. Um, if you look at the world around you today, it feels like that sometimes. But he's saying, but really, everything is going right. Not that God planned for all of this to happen, but God is planning on restoration. And there's nothing that we as humans can do that's going to stop that plan from happening. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not we choose to be a part of that restoration and a part of that like altered reality that really is God's kingdom. Um, and so all we have to do is really accept that there can be this new reality and we have to al allow ourselves to become a mediator of God's power, um, one who actively participates in God's plan. So like I said, my day yesterday did feel like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, but it did provide me the few missing pieces I need to finish the sermon. So I guess that's good. Um, I guess I could look at it as God's way of disrupting the reality of what I thought, in this case, thought was not meant to be. And really showing me, you know, what can be in this new reality. So that's just what I want to challenge you guys to do today. Just think about how God is still actively present in your life. Walk, uh, working to disrupt your reality, and how can you become a part of that mission of disruption? Um, remembering that God's plan of restoration is going to happen. There's nothing that you can say or do to not make that happen. Um, you just have to agree to participate in the mission, which is not easy, but that's, that's the Christian life for you. I would like to pray with you all, if that is okay. So if you would pray with me.